Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. As many of you know, I have done a lot of different types of jobs, had a lot of different types of income, and one of the things that I've done for almost 15 years now is I have a process serving business. So what that means is I am the guy who goes to your front door and makes your day by giving you your legal paperwork. (laughs) It's, It's been an interesting adventure many times. And it is all about uh, de-escalating the situation oftentimes. And and there, I have, yes, plenty of stories when it comes to my days as a process server. Um, but as a process server and over that period of time, I kind of have developed a LIDAR. <laughs> that means that I can pretty closely tell whether or not you're lying to me or not. <laughs> and so... Uh, when, when I hear something on the TV or, uh, or on the radio or so, some politician, whatever saying something, oftentimes I, w- I know whether or not you're telling the truth. Well, we have been told a lot of untruths about COVID. My LIDAR has been going off, uh, constantly for about two and a half years now, but what what we've seen is that not only have we been lied to, but that there has been a, a concentrated effort by social media to cover up these lies and to make sure that we don't have public discourse or, or conversations or discussions over COVID. In an article from Megan Basham from the Daily Wire. She um, came out with a really interesting article that is entitled Four Times Big Tech Censored COVID Misinformation That Turned Out to Be True. (laughs) Many of you may have even been uh, the victims, let's say, of social media censoring you or basically kicking you off their platform because of the things that you have posted. She says in her article, she says, if anything has highlighted just how much big tech now controls our public discourse, it is the pandemic. Suddenly, any stray expression of irritation at mask mandates or casual mention uh, of doubt in the all-knowing pronouncements of our health overlords will have the social media censors turning their attention toward you like the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> she did a good job there. <laughs> she says, you'd think, given the frequency with which they end up with egg on their faces for their in, uh, insistence that they're following science, they would have learned a little humility by now. Sadly, that's not much. there's not much evidence of that as the Misinformation labels and account suspensions continue apace. Let's let's take a look at the four examples uh, that she presents here of social media giants censoring what turned out to be accurate information, and, and and prove why they shouldn't be in charge of 
fact-checking the public. First of all, how about the how it all began, the, the lab leak theory? Well, early in the pandemic, NIAID uh, Director Anthony Fauci and NIH Director Francis Collins began hearing from dozens of scientists offering evidence that COVID did not, as of course initially reports claimed, originate naturally from a Chinese wet market. Now we've done a podcast on this and you can go back in the archives and you can listen to that. But while Dr. Fauci and Collins were, were warned of, poten- uh, of the potential that, that COVID-19 leaked from a Wuhan Institute of Virology, Collins appeared to dismiss what came to be known as the lab leak theory. And of course, he, he called it a conspiracy. Now, in March of 2020, Collins huffed that some folks are even making outrageous claims that the new coronavirus causing the pandemic was engineered in a lab and deliberately released to make people sick. Fauci told National Geographic that the novel coronavirus, quote, could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated, unquote. That's what he said. That's what Fauci said. Now, naturally, big tech was happy to make, to, to, you know, take their word for all of this. And in February of 2021, Facebook announced an update to its sweeping misinformation policy intended to remove or, or more false claims about COVID-19 and vaccines. Among the assertions that w- would henceforth be banned, claims that COVID leaked from the Wuhan lab. Meanwhile, Google would not allow its search engine to auto-populate LabLink along with coronavirus. Why not? Why wouldn't they allow that? Because according to a Google spokesman, the company didn't want to lead people down pathways that we would find to be not authoritative information, unquote. When it was clear a few months later, of course, that support for the lab leak theory was growing in the scientific community, or at least more scientists were willing to speak up about it and admit that that it had been a a reasonable uh, supposition uh, uh, that that it actually happened, Uh, Facebook actually reversed its ban. But as for Google, even after President Biden ordered U.S. spy agencies to conduct a 90-day investigation into the issue, the company still didn't officially reverse its autocomplete policy. And in a related story by Margaret, uh, Mary Margaret Olihan uh, from about two days ago, uh, this one entitled, In Damning Capitol Hill Testimony, Scientists contradict Fauci's claim that NIH never funded gain-of-function research. And again, we've done a podcast on this. I encourage you to go back if you haven't heard it when it comes to gain-of-function research and what it's all about and and what Fauci's claims are about. Now, during a congressional hearing examining the origins of the coronavirus pandemic and gain-of-function research, multiple scientists' witnesses uh, contradicted Anthony Fauci and his claim that the National Institute of Health, or the NIH, never funded 
gain-of-function research. Quote, the statements made on repeated occasions to the public, to the press, and to the policymakers by NIAID Director Dr. Fauci have been untruthful. I do not understand why those statements are being made because they are demonstrably false, unquote. That's uh, Redker's University microbiologist, Dr. Richard Embright, and that's what he said last Wednesday. Now, responding to a question from Senator Josh Hawley, uh, he's a Republican from, from Missouri, uh, th- th- that's, what, that's what he told that Senate committee. Now, Senator Rand Paul, of course, the uh, Republican from Kentucky, said on Wednesday afternoon that this contradiction, backed by the other witnesses, was the most damning thing to come out of Wednesday's hearing. The first hearing uh, examining the role of -of gain-of-function research, and again, the gain-of-function is a process in which researchers uh, can try to stitch together viruses that, uh, that basically make the vi- virus a whole lot worse and so that they can study it and see what, you know, what it does and what they can do to get rid of it and that type of thing. So they, they basically uh, supercharge, <laughs> make little superheroes or whatever out of these viruses and then try to see what they can do, you know, to find the kryptonite. Obviously, it's, it's very, very risky type research, and it's been banned in the U.S. Now, Here's here's another quote. Quote, I was told directly to my face. And the quote is there from Dr. Fauci. They had never, ever funded gain-of-function re- research in Wuhan. This is what Paul told the Daily Wire as he, as he left the hearing. Now, reflecting uh, on, on Fauci's May of 2021 assertions, that that he, he, he told Paul during a... And, and and you can look it up on YouTube. It's it's all over the place. Again, we did another podcast on it. Um, that he told Senator Paul, "quote The NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain of function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology." All three witnesses contradicted that. Paul said that quote I think that's a big deal. Because the first hearing we had where scientists who actually look at this information and as informed as as he is, completely disagree with him and say that the research was gain of function and that the NIH paid for it. The witnesses at Wednesday's hearing called for significantly greater oversight of -of gain-of-function research. Dr. Stephen Quay, the founder of Seattle-based Antosa Therapeutics Incorporated, warned that the work of this committee is crucial to protecting the American people and really the world at large from future man-made pandemics. I would totally agree with that. Paul has previously called, of course, for Anthony Fauci's resignation uh, because of all of these lies and that type of stuff. But the origin of COVID was not the only thing that social media censored. Do you remember people talking about the link between the COVID vaccine and menstrual cycles? Well, one of the earliest banned COVID subjects on social media was suggesting that vaccines might adversely affect fertility. The concern over whether a new uh, medical treatment can 
uh, impact a woman's ability to bear children is a serious one, of course, and especially when there hasn't been time to conduct long, long-term research. I mean, that's part of the problem with the COVID vaccine is that we just don't have any long-term research. Now, these worries ramped up as women began their, their anecdotal sharing that the COVID vaccine was affecting their periods. And among the countless media outlets that rushed to tell these ladies they were, they were nuts for believing their own bodies was Good Morning America. And it brought on Dr. Jennifer Ashton to declare that there was zero scientific or medical basis for believing that the vaccine could impact periods because there was no, and this is how she put it, there is zero hormonal interaction. Based on facts like these, Facebook and Twitter felt no compulsion about slapping misinformation labels on posts from women questioning the vaccine's impact on on their ability to get pregnant. And turns out their stories weren't so crazy after all. A study released two weeks ago found that COVID vaccinations can disrupt women's menstrual cycles. Often not by much, but a delay is a delay, right? And as, as another recent study funded by the NIH itself concluded, we still don't have co- conclusive long-term proof that COVID vaccines ha- have no impact on fertility. The, the, the best the researchers could, could offer was, quote, it is unlikely that the adverse effects on fertility could arise um, many months after vaccination, unquote. Well, the menstrual cycle, as, as any kid in a, in a high school science class knows, there, determines the, the um, ovulation and, and when it happens. And, and it does appear it can be impacted by the COVID vaccine. While we don't know yet how large the impact can be, big tech's insistence um, on, on it, you know, being just some weird theory out there, uh, it obviously was clearly wrong. And, and, and what about masks, right? I mean, here's, we, obviously, we, everybody was subject, uh, subjected to this. Everyone knows that over the, the last two years, one of the earliest ways to see your social media posts disappear, or of course receive a label, uh, was to question the efficiency of masks. No one was immune. And Dr. Scott Atlas, one of the one of President Trump's controversial pandemic advisors, said his Twitter account was locked for 12 hours after he posted a message on the platform that said, "Masks work." No, <laughs> and and it followed a a site. Uh, citation questioning the the efficiency of fast uh, of face coverings in certain areas with strict requirements. Now, YouTube followed suit in August by suspending Senator Rand Paul, the, the one we were just talking about earlier, the Republican from Kentucky. Um, and, and of course, he's another doctor, and 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 he said that that the platform banned him for seven days for a video that quoted peer-reviewed articles saying cloth masks don't work. One of the statements YouTube pointed to in in justifying its decision um, was that most of the masks you get over the counter don't work. They don't prevent infection. And it's, it's what, what the shocker thing is, 
is that the 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 gentleman from Kentucky was was onto something here. I mean, as even the CDC now acknowledges, they they don't prevent infection nearly as well as as advertised. The agency quietly updated its its guidelines on January 14th, and they conceded that lo- that loosely woven cloth coverings provide the least protection compared to the the higher you know not. N9, uh, N95s and, and KN95s. Now, Senator Paul tweeted in, in response to the news of the CDC update. He tweeted, does this mean snot nose sensors at YouTube will come to my office and kiss my... Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in a related story, I mean, there is a there is a story that came out that said study finds that masks don't do not protect wearers, but you need to wear them anyway. This is this was this was one of those ones that just kind of blew me out of the water. A new study from Danish researchers found that mask wearers were not protected from becoming infected by the novel coronavirus more than their maskless counterparts. Contradicting the mainstream consensus, including that of the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Researchers in Denmark reported on Wednesday that surgical masks did not protect the wearers against infection with coronavirus in a large randomized clinical trial. The New York Times reports in a piece titled A New Study Questions Whether Masks Protect Wearers. You Need to Wear Them Anyway. <laughs> so, the Times noted that the, that, that the study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine did not contradict growing evidence that masks can prevent transmission of the virus uh, from, from wearing, uh, you know, wearers from, to, to others, though its conclusion is at odds with the view that masks also prevent the wearers or protect the wearers, a, a position, of course, that the CDC has, has held. Now, the study was com- uh, comprised of 4,862. That's a, it was a large study of total participants, and, and about half were directed to wear masks in public, and the other half were told not to. Here's the results. Through antibody testing, it was found that COVID-19 occurred in 42 participants. That's only 1.8% who wore masks. And in 53 participants, that's just 2.1. So, so basically, the researchers are saying that there was no statistical difference between those that wore masks and those that didn't. I mean, this, this just backs up everything that we've been saying. But guess what? It concluded that we still need to wear masks. <laughs> For what reason? For virtue signaling? I don't know. Uh, Dr. Christine Lane, who is the editor-in-chief of the Annals of, uh, Annals of, of uh, Internal Medicine, noted that that study underscores what masks uh, are, and they're, they're not the magic bullet. There are people who say, I'm fine, I'm wearing a mask. They need to realize that they are not invulnerable to infection. So even today, I mean, you see people going down the street or maybe in, in the store, whatever the case, you still see people quite often, at least in our area, that wear masks all the time and they're basically doing nothing for you. Now the times also cited pushback against the study saying that, you know, well, in Denmark, the, you know, 
there wasn't a real high rate of COVID and this, that, and this, and that. Nothing that they're saying undermines what was happening with this study. Now, you know, even even if you you think that that masks, you know, work, and, and believe me, if you want to wear a mask, that's fine with me. I don't, I'm just just don't make me wear one. Uh, speaking of, of, of being lied to, like we were lied to about masks, you'll remember that one of the first questions I asked when the vaccine came out was about natural immunity. You will remember natural immunity offering more protection than vaccines was something that we jumped on rather early in, in this COVID thing. And last March, Twitter <clears throat> put a, a, a label on, on Harvard epidemiologist Mark uh, Koldorf's, um, his, his response to a question about whether a person needs to be vaccinated if they're already, if, if, if they've already had COVID. Now, Koldorf replied, no, thinking that, that everyone must be vaccinated is a scientifically flawed, as, as thinking nobody should. Those with prior um, natural infections do not need it, he said. Now, even though nobody asked Twitter, <laughs> right, it had its own response to the question, saying of Koldorf's post, this tweet is misleading. Find out why health officials recommend a vaccine for most people, unquote. At least Goldorf uh, got to, to keep his account here. It, they didn't actually shut it all down. Uh, Twitter permanently banned Dr. Robert Malone for repeated violations of COVID-19 misinformation policy after he told podcaster Joe Rogan that natural immunity provides much greater protection against the virus than the vaccine. And in September, Instagram reportedly banned the hashtag natural immunity. <laughs> and why would you do that? It just, anyway, and lo and behold, the latest studies show that natural immunity was much more effective than vaccines in protecting against uh, reinfection during the recent Delta wave. Now, Reuters was just one of the establishment media outlets that that, re, that reported on a comprehensive study about um, how, well, out of California and New York, they, they found that natural immunity significantly outperformed vaccines. Quote, people who had previously been infected with COVID-19 were better protected against the Delta variant than those that were vaccinated alone, suggesting that natural immunity was a more potent shield than vac vaccines against the variant. The CDC, of course, has continued to, to insist that vaccination is better than natural immunity, but of course we know uh, that, that that is just, you know, that the opposite is being found at this point. So we, we know the opposite is the truth. Uh, and, and even though we know all of this, get this, even though we know all of this, New York City mayor fires another 200 city workers over COVID jab. Again, from the Daily Wire, it says that a new city, uh, New York City mayor, Eric Adams, uh, and his office revealed late last month that city officials fired more than 200 additional city employees for refusing to get vaccinated for COVID, bringing the total number of firings up to 1,752 workers. The mayor's office told the New York Post, those numbers reflect at, uh, were, were the, what, what has reflected since July 13th. 
Now, six months ago, Adam laid off over 1,500 government employees who refused to comply with the city's vaccination mandate. Uh, that was as of February 11th, and they had a February 11th deadline. Such employees who were let go included 914 of the Department of Education, 36 in the New York Police Department, and 25 others from the city's fire department. However, officials did not provide a list of, of departments where the, the, the workers of these, these last uh, 200 that just lost their jobs, we don't know wh what departments they came from. Uh, city workers uh, served on the front lines during the pandemic, this is a quote, uh, and said, uh, and by getting vaccinated, they are once again showing how they are willing to do the right thing to protect themselves and all New Yorkers. This is what Adams quoted earlier last year. Um, just after Adams uh, terminated the, the unvaxxed city staff, he faced backlash from the police and the fire associations. Um, New York um, uh, Andrew um, uh, Asbro, he's the president of the Uniform Firefighter Association of the Greater New York, who once um, estimated up to 500 fire workers would face the risk of termination due to their refusal to comply with the mandate, called on the mayor for, uh, for exempting the New York-based uh, professional athletes and performers with the citywide mandate. So, so you, you have, you have performers, you have, uh, athletes and this type of thing in New York who don't have to get the vaccination, but everybody else does again, a double standard. Now, last month, Adams offered, uh, city workers who were fired, uh, fired due to the mandate to get rehired by the city. Oh, that's nice. Right. Only if they showed proof of receiving one dose of uh, of uh, vaccine by June 30th, with plans to get a second shot by August 15th. <laughs> so if you're going to get va vaccinated, eh, we'll we'll think about hiring you back. <laughs> and and it I, it doesn't look like there's very many people that actually took him up on that. Uh, sp a spokesman reports that uh, that over 97 percent of city workers actually are vaccinated at this time. Now, um, it, it was interesting uh, when we, when you take a look at Adam's comment, uh, comments uh, come around the same time as former White House COVID response coordinator, Deborah, um, Dr. Deborah Bricks, ad, uh, admittedly, she admitted that the vaccines couldn't protect against infections while promoting more uh, testing and treatments. She said, quote, I knew these vaccines uh, were not going to protect against infection, Bricks told Fox News. Uh, and I think we overplayed the vaccines, she said. And it made people then worry that it's not going to protect against severe disease and hospitalization. Bricks said 50% of people who died from the Omicron variant were older and vaccinated. Yes, 50 50% of the people who died from Omicron variant were older and vaccinated. So that's why I'm saying even if you're vaccinated and boosted, if you're unvaccinated right now, the key is testing and Paxlovid, she said. It's effective and it's uh, a great antiviral. Quote, and really, that is what's going to save your lives right now if you're over 70, she added. <laughs> now, now, I'd say to that... Why should we believe you? Why, why should we believe you now? 
especially since we see so many comeback cases amongst people taking that Paxlovid. I mean, our own president of the United States got COVID, took Paxlovid, got it again right after. I mean, this is why their their currency, their trust currency is extremely low right now. And and they have they have given in to the dollars that come their direction and the the fame and all that 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 goes with it, and they have given the, the, up their trust. And the American people just don't trust them anymore. Uh, New York City, uh, in in this case, employs over four hundred thousand residences uh, residents in various government agencies outside of the seventeen hundred city staffers who were were uh, recently terminated. More than 6,000 others have applied for medical or religious exemptions from the vaccine requirement. Now, this is, this, is, this is what I would say. We were lied to. We were censored. And, and we were canceled. Which goes to show that, that speech suppression should not be the business of big tech or the government. When, when it comes to COVID and more, not less discussion is warranted, but it does lead you to wonder what misinformation and conspiracy theories from yesterday will be tomorrow's admitted facts. I mean, many of these things that were brought up are now facts, even though they were called misinformation and conspiracy theories. It's just going to be interesting to, going forward to see how many more of these things actually were factual. Now, I would love to to have a conversation with you about this, and let's let's make this a conversation starter. And you can always go to uncommonsensepodcast.com to do that. Thank you very much for listening.